1: Hello everybody, Ben Jarofsky back here again. We're calling this bonus time. Yes, bonus time. This is the time of day where we twist the arm of the last guest who was in the studio said, hey, you can't leave now. In this case, it's Jake Lewis from the Chicago Federation of Labor, a political junkie if there ever was one, and he's ready to take the deep dive. We're going to do five bonus points. Oh, five, D. The deep dive five? Deep dive five. We Get that on a t-shirt and a tattoo, all right? <laughs> deep dive five. With Jake Lewis from the Chicago Federation of Labor. So, now I'm gonna tell you folks right now, we've done a lot of Chicago talk, a lot of Chicago political talk with the mayor's race. Jake, we're gonna make you talk other issues besides Chicago. Oh boy, I'm sweating. (laughs) I'll
0: get you a deep dive five over here.
1: (laughs) Get the guy like a glass of water or a steak or something. (laughs) I like (laughs) deep dive five. I just came
0: up with that. That's good.
1: Deep dive five. All right, let's go, starting with number. Number, number five, five. <laughs> right? Number five. The recent Simon poll about yes. uh, Governor J.B. Pritzker take the dive on number five. The Simon poll, Jake Lewis.
0: Yeah. So, so just to to frame this for a second. So, uh, Southern Illinois University has the Paul Simon Institute, and they do all types of research about politics and government in the state of Illinois. So they do uh, they do a poll, usually a spring poll and a fall poll. Uh, there are a couple reasons why this poll is is. Particularly interesting, but the, the the two big ones are number one, it's not coming from any particular political candidate, so it's seen to be more impartial. Um, and number two is they look at registered voters in addition to likely voters. So, likely usually political polls focus on likely voters because that's who they're interested in knowing the opinion of. This looks at registered voters, so you're generally getting a wider swath uh, of the electorate. Excuse me, of the population when you're doing these polls. So. Uh, Simon Institute is starting to come out with some of the results of the spring of their spring poll for 2019. Uh, big one was released a couple days ago, shows that Governor J.B. Pritzker has a job approval rating uh, standing at 40 percent who approve of the job that he's doing, 38 percent who disapprove of the job that he's doing. So some interesting numbers right out of the gate for the governor, the um, uh, governor. One way to look at these is the net approval rating. So JB's got a plus two. That's literally that the the people who like the job that he's doing minus the people who don't like the job that he's doing. 40 minus 38. That's plus two. Uh, Donald Trump, they, you know, they ask about a couple different people. Donald Trump was at negative 20. I mean, he is uh, very unpopular all around the state and he's going to be up for election real soon. Um, so negative twenty. How many liked them and how many didn't like them, or do you don't have that in front of no, you? No, I've got it. Um, Trump was at thirty-nine approve of the job that he's doing and fifty-nine disapprove. I see. And it's interesting. You know, there was a poll that came out um, a couple of weeks ago from a conservative organization, and again, we're talking about sort of those biases. So remember, this is a conservative organization, and the way that they framed it was it's had similar similar numbers, and the way that they framed it is, oh, look. The, the job approval rating for Trump is higher than the job approval rating for Pritzker. Mm-hmm. They conveniently did not mention those job disapproval ratings, which are sky high for the president uh, and at a pretty you know pretty medium level for the governor. So an interesting look at uh, where the governor stands when he first comes in. Now, the, the reason that um, I found these results to be particular in, particularly interesting is because if you go back and actually look at the governor's rates from 2018, JB, even though he won that race by 15 points, I mean, he clobbered Bruce Rauner. Even though he won that race by big, big numbers, his approval ratings, his favorability ratings never really got that high. So I've got a poll from August of 2018, a couple months before the election. uh, His favorability rating was 38%, and his unfavorability rating was 35%. Those are very similar numbers to that 40 38 that you're seeing. Now, just to even get more into the nitty gritty this week's poll was for job approval. Uh, Before Pritzker became governor, they couldn't ask that question. So that poll was about favorability. sort of do you like him, Mm -hmm. Um, but those are pretty similar types of questions and generally reflect a similar type of concern in people's heads. So really what you're seeing is, is not any big movement from the people of Illinois on J.B. Pritzker. What you're seeing is more or less status quo from last summer. Um, Now, obviously, big things have happened uh, from the governor's office since he took office a couple months ago, uh, $15 minimum wage being the biggest legislative accomplishment, um, but uh, I don't think it's necessarily time for alarm bells. I don't think it's time for a big concern. I think what you're seeing really is that people haven't really changed their minds in a big way about the governor a few months into We'll get into term. some of the
1: legislative accomplishments of mm-hmm. uh, Pritzker, but before we leave this uh, subject and move on uh, to number four, before we leave this subject... Uh, I I joked about this on a show, uh, talking about the honeymoon period that traditionally newly elected officials uh, enjoy, and I was laughing that people in Illinois apparently have not given J.B. Pritzker the honeymoon period that even I gave Mayor Rahm Emanuel. (laughs) I gave him three months before I decided uh, I did not approve of his performance as mayor of the city of Chicago. What's your thoughts about the honeymoon period? Uh, Is there such a thing anymore in terms of voters giving a, a... a newly elected official, a grace period where they're open-minded to him or her?
0: I think there absolutely can be. I mean, I think, again, I think that JB probably still is in what you may call a quote-unquote honeymoon period. And really, I think when you're talking about a honeymoon period, what you're saying is this guy is so new on the job that I can't necessarily make a grand pronouncement about whether or not I like them very much based on what they've done since they've been in office, right? You're only in office for a couple of months. I'm not gonna say you're doing, you know, a lot better than I thought or a lot worse than I thought. I think that's sort of where that honeymoon period idea comes from. I think again, what we saw in these numbers that came out this past week is they've really stayed very constant for JB, even since when he was running for uh, governor in 2018, when he ran for governor in 2018, he won by 15 points. So even though those favorability numbers weren't particular, you know, they weren't off the charts, uh, he still clobbered his opponent. And I think that's, you know, if you're on the other side of JB, and you're, you're trying to figure out you're a Republican trying to figure out a way to drag him down, I wouldn't start, you know, popping the champagne when you see these favorability numbers, I would be concerned that he hasn't moved at all. All right,
1: uh, with, with Jake Lewis uh, from the Chicago Federal Relation, Federation of Labor, we're taking the deep dive on the top five issues of the day. Bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show, and now we're ready for number four. Well,
0: top five deep dive. It's time for number four. Number, number four. four. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't channel my internet radio. <laughs> <laughs>
1: News, weather, and traffic coming up. <laughs> Number four is, what is a Fair tax. Yes. Let's talk a little fair tax. Mm-hmm. Jake Lewis, explained to everybody what the fair tax is.
0: So the fair tax, is, uh, fair tax um, is the idea that when it comes to taxes, the wealthy should pay a little bit more. They should pay their fair share. And the people in the middle class, those striving to get there, should pay a little bit less. So fair tax, also sometimes called a graduated income tax, basically changes the rate at which you're taxed based on your ability to pay. Uh, 32 states around the country and the federal government have a fair tax so this is what's most common uh, in terms of state income taxes. Illinois on the other hand has a flat regressive income tax uh, and that what what that means is whether you're you know pulling in a million dollars a year or you're making fifty thousand dollars a year everybody pays the same rate um, and especially in the last few decades when you've seen income inequality in this country and in this state explode and the wealthy getting, rich at a much, much, much faster pace than those in the middle class. That really hamstrings our revenue system from being able to bring in the money that it needs to fund education, state services, human services, things like that. So fair tax is a very simple idea. Those at the very top pay a little bit more. Those at the middle and the the bottom pay a little bit less. And that's going to help fix some of the problems that the state has seen in terms of its finances for a number of years. Uh, JB ran on this issue uh, in the 2018 election. He was very candid and full-throated in his support of a fair tax. And like we just said, he won by 15 points. So this is clearly an idea um, that people are interested in. Um, The Simon Poll, as I mentioned, they do these every year. Um, They have had poll results show north of 70% of respondents are in support of the idea of a fair tax. But usually when you're talking about a fair tax, the first question you get to is, okay, well, what does rich mean? What's wealthy? Where, where are the rates going to be? Um, and, and conservatives for, uh, for the first couple of weeks of the JB administration sort of tried to soften them up on that question. Well, where are the rates? What are we talking about here? So JB did release, uh, rates rate structure, his sort of proposed rate structure, he said he'd be willing to compromise and willing to negotiate, but his kind of, what he wants to see, and basically what you saw is that cutoff is at $250,000. So if you make $250,000 or more, uh, your income tax, your state income tax is gonna go up just a little bit. If you pay $250,000 or less, you're essentially gonna see no change or it's gonna go down a little bit. Um, And that was something that, um, you know, those specific rates are something that people have been asking for for a while. The administration says that under that rate structure, they're going to bring in three point four billion dollars. That money is going to go directly to things like schools. I mean, we have uh, schools that are crumbling; they're in need of repair. We've got a teacher shortage in the state of Illinois. Um, They're going to go to things like human services, um, infrastructure. So that that money, and and frankly, going to to fix some of the problems that the states had for for many years now. So that money was going to be well used. Um, The fair tax. Again, this is a fight that is just brewing now. So we're going to need a constitutional amendment. Um, there's no way that will get approved until November of 2020. Um, but JB coming out with these specific rates is really an important step and uh, something a lot of people have been waiting and for. And
1: what do the polls show on this?
0: So um, like I said, there, there are a couple of organizations that are supporting. Uh, the fair tax movement, a couple of organizations that are opposing it. So uh, an organization called Think Big Illinois, which is uh, supportive of the governor and includes a number of people from the governor's uh, gubernatorial campaign came out um, and and they said, according to their poll, um, after being given a basic description of what a fair tax is, 64% support the plan and 20, 27% uh, oppose the plan. So basically what you're seeing is when you first ask people, you know, do you, what do you think of a fair tax? Most people don't really know what that is. They need a little bit more information. And when you say, "Okay, well, it's a tax that raises the rates a little bit more on the wealthy and a l- little bit less on the middle class." You're seeing 64% of people supporting that plan. Now, that 64 number is really important because in order to pass an amendment to the constitution of the state of Illinois, which would have to happen for a fair tax to become reality here, you got to get above 60%. So having having them show that they are above 60% right out of the gate um that's a very good sign uh and that's something that i think a lot of people are going to be looking at for uh over the course of this debate um is where is that support level for a fair tax and right now it's
1: strong all right, we're with uh, Jake Lewis, Chicago Federation of Labor. It's bonus time. We're taking the top five deep dive. And now we're up to number
0: three. All right, everybody. 38 after the hour. Coming up music from <laughs> Billy Idol and Billy Joe. It's all Billy's coming up. We're going to get silly with Billy. But right now, time for number three on the top five deep dive. Wait, I'll edit this. <laughs> Come on, I hate Apple. Here we go. Number
1: three. That editorial aside will be bounced from the program. All right,
0: Jake Lewis, number three, minimum wage. Yeah, so um, the state hasn't passed legislation to increase its minimum wage, and that's a, a really positive sign for some progress in Illinois, Uh, the state's minimum wage, currently eight bucks and 25 cents an hour. It hasn't been adjusted in basically a decade. Mm. Uh, And all the while people's costs are going up, rent's going up, healthcare is going up, uh, and yet people who are making minimum wage haven't seen a raise in in 10 years. So um, this is another one of those issues that um, Pritzker and and really people running for state legislature all over the state were running on. We want to increase the minimum wage. Pritzker got into office mid-January and he came, he was shot out of a cannon on minimum wage specifically. I mean, he was talking to legislators, he was getting legislation teed up, um, and he was ready to move on that very quickly. And I think, frankly, caught a number of people off guard with just how quickly he was moving on this thing. You know, usually, like you said, you got the honeymoon period, you get into office, you know, you want to start cutting some ribbons and doing some press conference. I mean, he was moving big pieces of legislation and, and the minimum wage is one of it. So um minimum wage did pass through the house and the senate and it was signed into law by uh, jb pritzker just over a month after he took off i mean think about that we had bruce rauner as governor for four years and i don't know about you ben but i can't think of a more substantial piece of legislation uh that rauner signed in four years more substantial than raising the minimum wage to 15 dollars an hour and pritzker did it in basically a month uh, very impressive stuff so like Yay,
1: a- for <laughs> Yay for our teachers! Yay for our teachers! Throwback. Uh, throwback to Governor Rauner. I'm tried, still trying to think of anything Rauner signed at all, whether substantial or not, Jake Lewis. I would have nightmares. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs>
0: By the way, I'm banned from saying uh, we call it the R word around my house. I can't say his name, oh, and my, uh, my my wife has had enough of uh, hearing of, of about their R, R- word. What about the first
1: part of his name, the B word? Can you say Bruce? We can say Bruce. Okay, Bruce sir. Springsteen. We can talk, right, exactly. Bruce Willis. Uh, yeah. Can't say the R word. Anyway, Lenny so, Bruce. Anyway, go ahead.
0: So, uh, huge piece of legislation. We're raising the minimum wage for people all over the state up to fifteen dollars an hour. Simon Poll, that I mentioned before, um, came out with some numbers on the support for minimum wage, 66% of people in the state of Illinois support raising the minimum wage up to $15 an hour. And they noted, and I think it's interesting too, some regional differences. So in Chicago, it's 81% support raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour, 71% in the suburbs, 71% is a big number in the suburbs to see minimum wage go up. And then downstate, it was 48%. You know, 48 percent support support it Mm -hmm. raising a minimum wage to 15 percent it that's surprising to me you know chicago if you look at the state as a whole chicago and the suburbs economically speaking generally are doing pretty well uh downstate less so um so it's surprising to me to hear that folks downstate where those economies generally aren't as strong still do not support raising wages for working people um so there's some work to do, to, to obviously, to, to make sure people understand the benefits of a $15 minimum wage. This thing is a lot of land, though. So um, people are going to see start to see minimum wage going up January 1st, 2020, and then again July after that, and then ramping up to 15 by 2025. That's Jake Lewis, Chicago
1: Federation of Labor. We're doing bonus material on the Ben Jarofsky. We're taking the top five deep dive. We just did number three minimum wage, which means if my math is correct, and I went to Evanston High School, everybody, I know I'd add... We're ready for number two. Oh,
0: yes, your math is correct, Benny J. Coming up now, it is number two. Number, number two. <laughs>
1: <laughs> labor notes, Jake. Labor notes around uh, the state of Illinois, city of Chicago.
0: Yeah, well, there are a couple of different big things going on in the Chicago right now in terms of labor. I mean, the the top of the page right now is uh, Chicago Symphony Orchestra. Musicians are out on strike, uh, entering week two of their strike, um, fighting for better pay and, and retirement benefits, I know, is a big, big piece of those negotiations. So there have been a number of rallies uh, last week. Again, this week I was just out there this morning. Um, you had allies from across the labor movement coming together to support those CSO musicians. Uh, you saw a number of uh, the Illinois congressional delegation out there yesterday. I, I heard Nancy Pelosi sent a letter in support of the CSO musicians. So city of Chicago is really rallying behind um, those musicians. But I know that there's a big fight when it comes to um, when it comes to their contract. Um, The other big one is uh, the graduate students at the University of Illinois at Chicago, also out on strike, uh, an issue very near and dear to my heart. My wife is uh, a graduate student there now. She's not part of the union, but um, obviously stands in solidarity to them. And and I think the campus really has has rallied to uh, support of those workers as well. So, um, you know, I think especially after you saw hotel workers on strike last fall, Mm -hmm. um, you've seen a number of, of strong labor movements from, from different unions around the city. Um, and generally speaking, those movements have ended in success for those workers. Um, and so I think everybody here is, is pulling for them and, and making sure that those things are resolved quickly, um, and resolved in favor of the workers. You know, just think about for a moment, the contrast, uh, just in the economic
1: ends of things, income things, how much they make, uh, but yet it's both labor, it's both unions. The symphony orchestra is, uh, relatively well paid. Yeah. Uh, and uh, graduate, teachers, graduate student teachers are really low, yes. lowly pl- paid, uh, yes. uh, one would say exploited, uh, and yet each has a union and each is involved in the contentious uh, labor negotiations at, that have resulted in a strike. Address that issue, the fact that uh, the high end of the scale and the low end of the pay scale, when I say scale, I'm mm-hmm. not talking about musical scales, I'm talking about pay scale, <laughs> would each uh, turn to a union.
0: Well, the the issues facing workers, whether you're a very well paid worker or whether you're trying to scrape by and make ends meet, the issues facing workers are generally the same. It's about having decent pay. It's about having decent benefits, especially healthcare, a huge issue right now. And it's about having a, a retirement package that allows you to retire with dignity. I mean, those are things that are essentially universal, and and it doesn't even have to be if you're in a labor uh, if you're in a labor union. Every every working person whether you're in the city, the state of Illinois, in the United States generally, those are the issues that you care about. Um, and those are the issues that you're fighting for because you wanna make sure that you can raise your family and have enough money to send your kid to college if you want to, so that you can take care of yourself or a loved one if they're sick. And so you can retire with dignity. And so I think, I mean, you're absolutely, it is interesting to see you've got graduate student workers on one end uh, and you've got Chicago Symphony Orchestra members on the other end, and they're both fighting for the same thing. Um, the one last thing I will say here is too is, labor unions have been under attack for decades. I mean, there's there's no secret about that. Um, but the gap between the rich and the poor has essentially been widening, just as those attacks have ramped up over the years. So that's not a coincidence. I mean, those uh, attacks from from the very wealthy on the ability to people to organize coincide almost exactly with the one percent getting wealthier and wealthier and wealthier. So. Um, the fact that people are able to come together in a labor union, collectively bargain, fight for their rights. This is one of the, the last bastions of workers saying, no, we're not going to let all of our, uh, all of our income, you know, we're not going to let the fruits of our labor just go to the top 1%. And I think it's really heartening to see.
1: All right, Jake Lewis, uh, Chicago Federation of Labor. We've gone through four of the fo- top five deep dive, which means if Boy. my math is correct, we're up to number what, the. It's a particular number. I think you may know what it is. Number one. (laughs) Yeah, buddy. Oh, yeah, number one. My favorite number. Number one, Derek Rose's number from the Chicago Bulls. What number one do we have? Ah, come on. I couldn't let Jake Lewis, political geek from the Chicago Federation of Labor, leave this studio without asking for an update on the presidential election, it's right around the corner, everybody. <laughs> Candidates getting in the race, uh, ge- gearing up to for Democrats to defeat Donald Trump. Thoughts on the early stages, the early, early stages of the presidential race.
0: We're getting candidates in left and right. People are ramping up. We're seeing people taking road trips all across the country, and we're, we're, we're they're getting donors, and they're getting themselves on stage. I will say the, the last couple of weeks, I mean, obviously, Beto coming in is a big uh, disruption to the race, and I think a lot of people are waiting to see what he's doing. The last big domino, obviously, Joe Biden. Um, People are very curious. It it looks like he's making noise that he's going to be jumping in pretty soon, although it it doesn't necessarily seem like it's locked in. The candidate that I personally have been very impressed with uh, over the last couple of weeks uh, is Mayor Pete uh, Buttigieg, Mm -hmm. mayor of South Bend, Indiana, Um, younger guy, road scholar, veteran, uh, gay. Very interesting story. Very interesting guy. He so uh, just to bring it back local for a second. Um, Illinois Democratic County chairs hold their annual breakfast every August. They were supposed to have Joe Biden. He wasn't able to make it. Uh, Mayor Pete stepped in and gave a, a really a phenomenal speech. Uh, to Illinois Democrats last year uh, and and was my first time seeing him and he's he's getting some very interesting traction uh I saw him on Morning Joe the other day and and according to Morning Joe on Twitter they said that they hadn't seen a reaction for a presidential candidate like that since Barack Obama Mm. so he's a younger guy really I wouldn't say he came out of nowhere you know he's been trying to to break into national politics for a while but uh, I think a name to watch in addition to the Bernie's and the Biden's and the Kamala's and the Elizabeth Warren's. All right. And, uh, before
1: you leave this studio, I have to get you uh, to comment on a name that was thrown out by, uh, woman, Sue Sedlowski Garzo, Garza, who was on my show uh, last week. Uh, Sue said, what about Oprah? Uh, celebrity candidate Oprah. If you're going to beat a celebrity like Donald Don, Trump, you need a celebrity Oprah. She just threw that out. Not saying she was supporting him, just throwing out as yeah. a suggestion. Your thoughts on Oprah as president?
0: It's an interesting idea. I, and I understand the desire to have someone who has that celebrity, that cachet, to come in and kind of go toe to toe with Donald Trump. The one thing I will say, and I think I said this last week with Alderwoman Garza, is it can't just be about getting Trump out of there, the best candidate to be Trump or anybody but Trump. I'm not saying there won't be a significant uh, portion that is about just getting rid of Trump, but we have to make sure that we're promoting a real ideas, real policies, a real agenda that is going to inspire people, that is going to lift people up, uh, and that, make sure, that ensures that people know that whoever is running for president is on their side. I think the desire for Oprah or someone like Oprah really comes from this idea that people don't trust politicians anymore. They don't trust politicians. They don't trust the news media. Frankly, a lot of people still trust celebrities. They like celebrities. They like the glitz and the glamour. Um, I think that's one of the big reasons. I mean, and this, is, this isn't any secret, but I think that's one of the big reasons we've got Trump right now. So I get the desire, I get the interest, um, and I get the thinking behind it. Uh, I'm not gonna say, you know, no, she shouldn't do it, absolutely not. I do think that one of the good things is if you jump into a presidential race, I mean, it, it's a ringer. It, it really is, uh, it, it puts you to the test to make sure that you are able to think on your feet, to put out serious policy proposals, to take a jab, to land a jab. I mean, it is a, a, a serious endeavor. So if someone who hasn't been politically active before, whether it's Oprah or a business person or whomever, uh, If they want to get in the race, sure, jump in. Uh, We'll see you after 18 months. We'll see how you've uh, handled yourself. And if they rise to the top, so be it. And let's make sure that we go into November 2020 with the strongest person possible. All right. That's
1: Jake Lewis, Chicago Federation Labor. You've been listening to the bonus feature on the Ben Jarowski Show, the Top 5 Deep Dive or the Deep Dive Top 5. Now Dr. D's over at the organ playing that cool, smooth music of his that he personally wrote. When he was a little boy in Alton, Illinois. Yes, indeed, the doctor. His
0: song's called Alton is Home.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Coming home, Alton. Jake Lewis, great job doing the top five deep dive. Thank you very much for sticking around for the bonus feature.
0: Always a pleasure. Thank you, Ben.
1: All right. See you all tomorrow, everybody.